welcome to The Self-Made Theory, the podcast that's all about innovating, overcoming and prospering. We interview founders, entrepreneurs, innovators, CEOs and other exciting people about their amazing business journey. Over to your host, Ben Campbell, for this week's episode. Hey there, people. Welcome back to the podcast. I know a lot of you listening are leaders in your business, uh, both in small and large enterprises, and no doubt many of you will have engaged a recruitment firm in the past to find staff for you. I've always thought it's a pretty straightforward process, and in some firms, I'm pretty sure there hasn't been much innovation uh, at all. Well, my next guest, Jodie Walton, is co-founder of Harrison Macmillan, and Jodie tells how they're changing the recruitment game through the use of technology, transparency, and different billing models. She talks also about what a digital detox is and why you might consider it for your business. We also talk about how bringing transparency to your process can really work for your customers. And we also discuss the importance of role clarity and why that really can work in making sure that your business is efficient as possible. My name is Ben Campbell, and this is The Self-Made Theory. Jody, welcome to The Self-Made Theory. Thank you for having me, Ben. My absolute pleasure. So let's start with the Harrison Macmillan elevator pitch. The elevator pitch. Actually, the elevator pitch is something that we play with on a regular basis because because we're a non-traditional recruitment agency, it's very easy in our elevator pitch to start talking about what we're not rather than what we are. (laughs) So um, here's the latest one, okay? And we probably need about 20 floors of elevators to... (laughs) To go through this, okay, so, so there's probably only <laughs> two or three buildings in Adelaide that you're going to get yeah, the full elevator. Right. So we're in the West, we're in Westpac House. Okay. okay, so so we've created a non-traditional recruitment model which allows us to partner with organisations to provide a transparent and affordable option for you to engage external recruitment expertise. So we do this through uh, using leading digital technology and actually refining our internal processes and procedures based on lean management techniques. So we specialise in our clients rather than specialise in specific sectors that others do. And that way we're able to gain deep knowledge over time of our clients' culture, goals, strategies and internal drivers to truly be a trusted partner. Okay, thank you. So where's the difference? I mean, I've personally used a number of recruitment firms to hire for me over the the years and Mm -hmm. I imagine you've got a bit of a long career in uh, in, recruitment. Why Harrison McMillan? Sure. Why so on this journey? I've got about 20 years experience in, in HR and recruitment and with traditional recruitment agencies. And I guess the main difference for us is our billing model. So, you know, I could never really rectify in my mind why um, you would charge a percentage fee based on someone's salary because, you know, the more salary that person gets, the more fee you get. So it can be quite um, detrimental to a client, and I've seen the behaviour of consultants driving up people's salaries in order to get a bigger fee or to support the um, more expensive candidate in order to get a bigger fee. And there's actually a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and it's not just delivering um, a, a short list of three candidates. So our, our model was very much devised on transparency and value for money. 
So you pay for what you need only um, and you get to see everything that we do. So in terms of what you need, the services that you're providing. Correct. So it's like an a la carte menu. If you break down the recruitment process, there's over 30 steps to the recruitment process. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, And some people can actually handle those steps internally such as booking interviews or doing reference checking or, you know, there's a number of, uh, of steps to the process that's quite administrative, but there's also a number of steps that you require a lot of skill, um, like interviewing or sourcing. Um, so our clients can just outsource those pieces to us and we would charge an hourly rate for that based on the expertise that we provide, as well as systems and processes and technologies in the background. And then they also get to see another major difference is they get to see everything that we do. So they've got access to um, our systems and we provide them with matrices every few days which shows all the candidates we're talking to, what conversations we're having, how we're rating them, what salaries they're looking for, if they're not interested, why they're not interested. So they get a lot of market intel um, and they get to keep those um, lists as well. And if they want to take more, um, and quite often a client will take more than one candidate and they don't have to pay any extra for that. They've already paid for our time to to develop that list. Or they can keep it as a market pool or a talent pool later down the track. Wow, that's really transparent. Mm, and very probably transparent. what most clients are not used to seeing that's w- right. when they've engaged. So how long have you been on the Harrison Macmillan journey? Uh, it's been five and a half years okay. now, yes. You've had some great results from places like Seek and been recognised for your for your work. Can you talk to those? Sure. Um, so Seek, uh, as as I mentioned actually earlier before we started recording, have been a great supporter of ours. Rosie Lillis here locally has, has been fantastic. And I, I guess because they actually see a lot of ways that um, recruiters behave and that traditional model, they saw that what we were trying to do was, was actually very client-centric rather than um, candidate-driven. So they were very supportive of that, but not just that, also the technologies that we use. We, we were fortunate enough to start the business at a time that, you know, cloud-based technologies were, um, you know, coming to the fore. Um, so we were never really saddled with any legacy systems, any legacy desktop servers or anything like that. And we were able to be very agile when it came to selecting technologies and implementing them. And if it didn't work, trying something else. But what it also allowed was our clients to connect into those technologies as well. So Seat recognised that um, and they rewarded us predominantly, though, based on our actual engagement model, the, the model that I've just explained for the most innovative recruitment agency in 2016, which was That's our, pretty exciting. Yeah, which was fantastic. Yeah. So that was just a few years into your journey. Yeah, that was three years in, yeah. How validated did you feel about? Oh, very validating. And actually that that was the, the word I used at the time. Oh, I did felt, you? Yeah, I felt very validated by that. And when we won, it was actually quite emotional. We, we'd taken the whole team with us just as a bit of a jolly and a bit of a reward to them. Uh, as a legitimate business experience. As a legitimate business team building, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so it was just amazing to have the whole team there and to be awarded uh, as the winner of that category for that year and, yeah, the celebration. So it was, yeah, it was a fantastic night. Actually. How much did that spur you on? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did spur us on. But, you know, I don't think we're we're not overly spurred on by awards. We're, what we're spurred on by is is really just pushing it further and further and growing more and more and allowing more and more clients the access to our services. 
Um, because we can see when SMEs can't afford it or they try and do it themselves and, you know, they, you know, they really have a negative impact on their own brand in the market by, you know, not getting back to candidates or, you know, trying to recruit a specific role for themselves against a larger, well, more well-known organisation where we're able to advocate for them and, you know, and tell the story of that particular client. And, you know, we can, we can do it really affordably for them. So, you know, I think we're more spurred on by being able to help the growth of organisations in that SME market in Adelaide, South Australia. So where did the idea come from to start your own thing? Yeah, okay. So um, Danny, Danny's my business partner. She's on Mount Leave at the moment. But uh, Danny worked for People Bank um, at the time. And I was, um, well, through a lot of the, the history that I knew of her, I'd never met her, but I was managing the IT team at a, a large multinational organisation, IT recruitment team. And so I heard about Danny all the time from my team. That they, you know, they'd say, Danny B got that role. And it's like, well, so you're you competitors. Know, we were competitors. Okay. And I was like, well, you know, you've got to be better than Danny B. You know, it's like, <laughs> we, we often laugh because um, we say that her name is, was hyphenated. You know, it was never just, you know, Danny from, it was Danny B. Anyway, I was, um, I was at a AGM for the technology industry five and a half years ago um, and Danny was there and she'd actually left the industry and she joined SMS Technologies, which is a, um, a tech consultancy. And we started chatting and I was actually looking for someone to, to head up the skills, the tech skills area of this industry association. So we agreed to have a coffee. Um, she followed me up for the coffee the next day, which I thought was was great in terms of sales and everything that I knew about Danny. Um, and we sat down, we had a coffee, and I asked her what it was like moving out of recruitment and into IT consulting. She said, well, it's pretty much the same. It's just, you know, we charge a bigger margin. <laughs> and I was like, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could actually educate clients into how to engage with recruitment agencies in order to get the best out of them? You know, the, the fact that, you know, decide on who you want to work with, Utilize them exclusively, give them the time, um, and for that you you'd get you know absolute service and delivery. And she said, "Yeah, you know what you could do is actually start to work with them on a training basis." And I said, "Yeah, you could even do like a professional services model in terms of hourly rate billing." And we just started bouncing off each other. So this was our first coffee, and at the end of the coffee, she said to me, "Do you want to do it with me?" And I was like, "Okay." Oh my gosh! So a month later. We we met over lunch because this was beginning of December and we met over lunch in the beginning of the January while we we're both on Christmas holidays and sketched out a business plan on the back of a on the back of a menu. And Did you really? Yes. Have you still got her? No. We don't. And she thinks I took it and I think she took it. (laughs) (laughs) But a month later, um, we both resigned. And then a month after that, we started Harrison McMillan. So we started in a little 20 square meter office and um, I finished on the, it was the actual, it was the Easter. And I finished on the Thursday of the Easter long weekend at my previous role and started on the Tuesday after Easter. Um, and we we're just like, right, all right. Actually, we did start over breakfast at Kianti with champagne. We we're like, okay, this might be the last champagne we can afford for quite some time while we get this venture off the ground. So we did that. And then, um, uh, we had our, f- and that was in the April of 2013. And, um, we raised our first invoice, um, at the beginning of May. 
Wow. Yeah. Was there any time through that process that you thought, what on earth are we doing? Yes. But leaving stable, <laughs> well-paid, no doubt, employment where you're you know, achieving success. Yeah. Launching out into the unknown. Yes and no. Like I think when you know, like I was already um, getting a little bit itchy and writing all these different business plans about um, different things. None of them were actually HR recruitment related. They were they were just kind of different service related stuff and it was a bit of something that I just did in the background and when we when we decided to do it I just knew that that the market needed it based on what based on my experience with the clients and also with consultants and um, candidates you know there there was a lot that I knew instinctively that did, was required did, did you bench test the idea around no. a different bit of billing model with any clients beforehand uh, I floated the idea past um, some clients and actually our first accountant who wasn't with us very long because um, 2013 was a recession or, was, you know, it was a downturn. It was a slowdown in the market really and we had our, our first accountant that we engaged was just like, oh, you, you young ladies, you know, <laughs> have you really thought this through? Um, you know, you realise that, you know, the, the job market slowed. Have you surveyed? And we're like, no, we haven't surveyed, but we know. We, like, we've, we've been in it. We've been amongst it. We talk to decision makers all the time. You know, we know that, that this industry is crying out for something different. And, and really, you, are you saying that there's a, there was a gap here? Was there a, you know, was there a gap between what the traditional recruiters were doing and mm-hmm. what the companies who, would, who were looking for candidates would doing themselves. Yes, definitely in the SME market. Um, in the larger organisations, you could probably compare us to an RPO, a recruitment process outsourcing company, um, which typically, um, you know, organisations of thousands of people will engage with. But the typical SME, up to 200 staff, just doesn't, they don't have access to to that on that scale. So for us, we're like an RPO for multiple organisations, um, so, yeah, I knew, I mean, it was hard. Um, there was a time when one of our previous clients, one of Danny's previous clients actually offered us about 100K worth of work, uh, but it was in the traditional manner. You know, it was finding them shortlisting, charging a fee based on a percentage of salary and competitive, so against other agencies. And, you know, it was, it was kind of was attractive because it was what we'd known. We, we knew candidates that we could t- tap into. Um, and that was a real solidifying point for us because we said, no, we're not going to do that. And, you know, we didn't get the work because we didn't play in that model. But from that point on, we were just certain of our position and certain of who we were and who we weren't. And I think that was that was a really telling point for us. It's an important decision, I think, that everybody comes to at some point when they're starting their business mm. about what they are but mm. also about what they're not. Yes, that is just as defining as it is when you're setting up who you are as an organisation, how you want to be represented in yes. the market. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, that from that point on, we, we were clear, and there was tough times, but like I never regretted it. There was no, um, yeah, there was no regret. Wow, that's fantastic. Now I read something about a interesting process that you did here, and maybe you still do, call your digital. Detox. Yes. Tell us about digital detox. Yeah. So digital detox. So um, when we set up the business as well, um, I guess you know it's it's like anything. You you set things up the way that you want them to be set up, 
again, and I'm not knocking the traditional recruitment agencies. There's like there's certainly a place place for them, but um, you know it's very very rigid in terms of start at eight thirty, you finish at five thirty. You know, you've got your desk phones and you've got your desk computers, and you know everything's quite locked down. And it it came became apparent very early that I was a very early starter, and Danny was a late starter and a late finisher. So it's like, you know, when we started hiring people, it was like, you know, we don't have start times, we don't have finish times. Um, we want people to find their own rhythm in terms of working. There's outputs that you need to achieve, and we made those outputs clear. Um, but with regards to when you take a break, when you start, when you finish, what you need to do, that's completely up to you. And there's a work from anywhere policy. So, um, you know, you can work from home. Um, we encourage that at least one day a week. You could, you know, if you need to want to log on on the weekend and take two hours, you know, that that's absolutely fine. But what we were finding is that we had that, but people were still a little bit lost in terms of, okay, well, what do I, do I, do I you know, can I, can I start now? I'm going to be late. Okay, what does late mean? You know, it was that, that language was still very much inbred in a lot of um, our consultants uh, as we started to grow. And then I um, went to a conference and saw a, a neuroscientist uh, by the name of Dr. Fiona Kerr speak about the impact of technology on the brain, you know, particularly emails um, and just in today's world being switched on all the time and having access to social media and a multitude of distractions. I thought this actually really dovetails nicely into the flexible working that we've got but might actually be that missing piece with regards to productivity increase. So we implemented um, Disconnect to Reconnect and we started to say, okay, you know, you don't have to be on your email because also we worked exclusively. Um, so it's not like we had to, like, you know, respond Im- immediately uh, to our client requests. And when I say immediately, I literally mean immediately. You can take an hour and then come back. So our um, emails were switched off during the day and we they would turn them on for an hour in the morning, an hour at lunchtime and an hour in the afternoon. And they would have an out of office saying, thank you for your email, please note, um, you know, I, I check my email intermittently and I'll come back to you. But if you need me urgently, please ring my phone. Because often people just react to email without thinking, is this urgent or is this not? And on the other end, um, a client or whoever might email and say, that tick, that's done. If they get a response straight away, they, they might, often might not be ready for it. I personally like knocking the email ball back over the net and and leave and moving on to the next thing without you know somebody knocking it straight back to me and me going oh god I thought you know, I thought I had a few minutes for that. Um, so we did that when we encouraged things like walking meetings um, and just more face to face time, like actually looking somebody in the eye and having that conversation. So these are meetings inside your business? Yeah, inside our business or with our clients. So if our clients were happy to, you know, meet and go for a walk rather than meet and have a coffee. Cool. We'd do that. And how did how did clients respond to Fine, that? Fine, actually, really good. Wow. Yeah, really good. They're like, oh, okay, you know. Because Fiona talks about the importance of oscillating and moving, you know, in rhythm together. And when you're walking, you know, that's what you do. Wow. Yeah. So we also said, you know, instead of emailing, you pick up the phone and call. Um, or instead of picking up the phone and call, you meet in person. So there were those sort of things 
that we implemented. So trying to elevate the conversation up the stack from the one-way type of conversation, Mm. which is really, well, it's not really a conversation email, one-way information transfer. Trying to elevate each one of those up the stack to something that's more productive. Yeah, and humanise it. Humanise it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, engage more, connect more with people. You know, we had some really great things happen. Uh, Still, you know, I keep my phone outside the lounge room at night time. You know, I'd, I'd try and have blackouts on social media or or tech. And you think more clearly, you think more productively. We have space for deep work and shallow work. Um, so when I talked about working from home one day a week, we encourage deep working then. You know, so pieces you ex- of work can, that can you ex- really need to... Can you explain the difference between deep work and shallow work? Sure. So shallow work might be things like going through your emails, short tasks that don't need a lot of thought. They just need actioning. Whereas deep work might be um, pieces of work like developing a proposal or doing um, a search piece for a client where you need to deep dive into the database to find candidates or writing a, you know, a, a killer ad or, you know, so that we, we have to really be creative and, and um, think and not be distracted. Yeah, and where the interruption breaks that process of, of the deep thinking yeah. and the creativity, I imagine, too. That's right. It mm. takes between three and 30 seconds to reset yourself after a distraction. Exactly. Yeah. So for all you listeners out there, turn <laughs> off those alerts that pop turn up. Off the, yeah. Turn off the alerts that pop up on your Outlook turn or whatever. Turn off all of them, yeah. Turn off your little, the little envelope that comes up on the oh, email. Gosh, turn that and off. And the bing and the little. All the bing, yeah, all of that. Yeah, turn, turn it, it off. off. Yep, gone. Yep. Which is strange because it comes out of the box like that. Every time you, you know, load a new laptop or computer or whatever, that's all turned on. Well, on, they're on designed to be sticky. You know, they're designed to to be held in your hand and not but they're it's not de- interesting. they're not designed for productivity no uh, like um bill gates and um the facebook guy um zucker zucker like his their kids are not allowed to to have their their smartphones on after a certain time you know and they and they have to be outside playing for x amount of day so the people that have designed and developed these technologies actually don't allow their kids the sort of access that we give ours. Anyway, it I won't go off. Tells, it, tells a, it tells a big story. Doesn't it does, it? doesn't it? Yeah. Wow, that's exciting. I mean, what a great journey. I mean, looking back over the last what, five and a half years, every new business mm-hmm. has a bunch of really highs um, and then has a bunch of things that you, you look back on and go, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? Did you have any of those? Um, I think we've we certainly um, had a some kind of what were we thinking with regards to <laughs> this is this is the most important thing I think is we've always said is mine and Danny's relationship um, because you know we are Harrison McMillan in terms of our it's you know it's our baby and if we're going to be successful our relationship needs to be really strong but coming from different generations and and um, we didn't know each other and getting to know each other and we're different personality types, that was kind of a real, you know, sometimes it was a massive pressure cooker um, and we're both quite strong personalities as well. So I think that um, ability to talk through issues and concerns and problems and niggles with each other when the when the chips are down, that, that's been crucial. Um, and we've had help with that too sometimes um, where we're just not seeing eye to eye. Um, and so we have to bring in a third party to facilitate something. It's a bit like a marriage. It's a bit like an arranged marriage because, we, you know, we met at the altar. <laughs> 
pretty much. <laughs> but good on but good on you for getting some 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 help, right? Because a lot of people don't, and yeah. they just and they just struggle through. And that's a really powerful piece, I think. Yeah, uh, we got an advisory board mm. fairly early on too, and I thought that, I think that was crucial because there was that. It wasn't just me and her coming up with oh, what should we do here? What should we do there? We you know we had a, a group of people that we trusted to bounce. Pe- um, ideas off, but other than that, there hasn't been too many lows. Mm. So, how did you how do you define you know as two business owners? How do you define roles and responsibilities about who owns what elements of the business or who's yeah. responsible or accountable for what, what elements of the business? Yeah, so um, we've got some natural strengths. Um, Danny's strengths is definitely around um, the sales and marketing area, and mine was more around the you know operational management, strategic management type. And that just came, you know, I had just more experience in that through my earlier career. And plus Danny kept selling against you and winning anyway, Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> Not against me, against my team. Sort of made that clear. <laughs> Uh, but we did a thing called a uh, – some people call it a racy. We call it a rasky yeah. um, where we listed absolutely everything because we were tripping on each other over each other's uh, feet a little bit. So we did a rasky um, and that was externally facilitated by one of our advisory board members uh, and we went through who's responsible, who, who's accountable, you know, who needs to be supported, et cetera. Yeah. So for those that don't know what a racy model is, it's, it's an acronym, mm-hmm. who's responsible, who's accountable, who's consulted mm-hmm. and who's informed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fundamentally about every element of the business. Correct, mm. yes. And it becomes really clear yes. when you go through that process. Yeah. Gaps, overlaps, That's all right. sorts of things yeah. um, that uh, really do help define your business. Yeah, and we put that into our director's agreement as well. So I think also because we didn't know each other very well, it was easy to formalise a lot of these things too because it's like, okay, well, where, where, do, how do we define it? Um, let's do it this way. Okay, we're both agreement. Okay, let's move forward like that. Still, you know, we will support each other. So if somebody is struggling in one area, somebody else will come, you know, the other person will come in and help and, and vice versa. So, you know, it's important to keep those lines a little bit grey. Yeah, excellent. So what's next for Harrison McMillan? What exciting things have you got coming down the pipeline? Sure. So um, at the moment we're looking at new offices because we're growing out of our current office so we're looking at, um, at the moment we're in um, about 100 square metres, so we're looking at doubling that. Um, That's so, exciting. Yeah, so we can grow. Um, and some of that growth will be um, in particularly in the – we were talking about the RPO for SMEs. So we're looking at being able to provide that service to larger organisations. Now we've got some solid foundation and great technology and capability and a number of case studies so that we can support – volume recruitment in the Adelaide market. Adelaide market's looking really great. South Australian market overall is looking really exciting. So there's a number of sectors that we're really focused on um, assisting. So really that for the next 12 months, that'll, that'll be our goal. Yeah, wow, that's good. Yeah. So how can candidates and employers find Harrison McMillan? Uh, so look at our website, harrisonmcmillan.com.au. You can call me on um, 0870717273 or email me, Jodie, J-O-D-I dot Walton, W-A-L-T-O-N at harrisonmcmillan.com.au. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Thank you, It's a good one. It's pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, cool. Thank you. And good to see you doing, you know, taking a traditional industry and turning it around, turning it on its head and doing something completely different for the client. It's brilliant. Yeah, thanks. Good on you. Cheers. You too. Bye.
I'm not sure about you, but I love hearing stories where people take an existing industry and decide they're going to respond to customers by competing completely different to the existing market. I think that's great stuff. I've got some pretty amazing guests coming up on our future episodes, including a young couple who have, in just a few short years, built a business that has seen their estimated net worth rise to over $450 million. Stay tuned for that one. Until then, keep innovating, overcoming, and prospering.